Welcome to Inspired Changemakers, a podcast about all the amazing things people are doing to make the world a better place. This podcast is about creating change and the moments that inspired our guests to activate. My name is Julia Healy, and I'm the CEO of United Charitable. Stay tuned to be inspired. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Um, This podcast is really about making change and kind of what activates you uh, to really go ahead and fight the good fight. Yeah, I love it. Um, So tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man, that's a that's a loaded question, boy. I um, have um, a couple of very humble beginnings. Um, both my parents are uh, Liberian immigrants who came here to Atlanta uh, in the early '80s, and um, yeah, like I said, we we uh, just are people of faith, humility, hard work, determination, and that's that w- those are my roots. You know, I born and raised here in Atlanta, and a um, big part of my life was started playing football at the age of ten years old. And um, that really changed my life. Met my little league coach who, you know, was basically like, if you've seen uh, Rocky, he's like my Mickey. And uh, <laughs> introduced me to the culture of Georgia football. And oh, that wow. became my dream. And um, through lots of hard work, through an amazing community, lots of mentors, lots of amazing people, including him, um, you know, I was able to achieve that dream. And was fortunate to play at University of Georgia uh, after overcoming a lot of adversity, I, I was not supposed to be there. Was labeled undersized, like I said, was was first in my family or in the entire generation of my family to to do what I did. Oh wow! And um, you know, was able to overcome a lot to uh, be able to get to University of Georgia. Um, became a three time All American and Buckets Award finalist, and you know, lots of awards and accolades. Um, you know, as a result of just my teammates, coaches, and so many people that once again just poured into me and made it to the NFL. And um, things started out great but ended up getting cut after my second year. And that really changed the trajectory of my life. So at that point is when I really began working uh, on myself, on who Rennie Curran was outside of just being an athlete. And um, started reading tons of books, going to workshops, um, going to, you know, just anything that would really help me to understand self and and really focus on leadership mindset and things like that. And uh, from there, you know, went on to play for a few other teams, but ultimately, um, I found a new passion in my calling, which was speaking, and which is crazy because it was something that I'd always done, um, being that I was a, a captain on a lot of the teams I played on. So it was usually giving a, a speech here and there, uh, would speak to little league yeah. teams and different things like that, but it became a big part of my life. And so, um, you know, that is what I do full-time now. I'm a keynote speaker. Um, I'm an author, written two books, uh, and also a leadership coach. Um, so my company's called Game Changer Coaching, so I work with – um, entrepreneurs, executives, and athletes helping them uh, reach their fullest potential. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me, what gives you b- the belief that things or people can be changed? Man, my own life. <laughs> um, my life, the the people around me that I've seen change, like my father, uh, you know, just, man, that's what gives me that inspiration, that hope, and just um, knowing that the things that I've experienced, I, like I said, I didn't come from a lot. I... Um, Based just so many things in my life that made me question my own identity. And so to go through that experience and then have so many people that came in that said one thing that just changed my perspective just a little bit, whether it was a teacher that just believed in me or whether it was my pastor or whether it was a coach that challenged me um, or somebody that mentored me, you know, through all those different experiences. Like when I look back, I can't re- I can't recognize that that Rennie from even 10 years ago, five That's years crazy. ago. You know, so I know for a fact that, you know, people can change and it is not going to happen when you want it to. 
right? It's it's all about those incremental gains. It's all about the small um, small moments of progress uh, that lead us to the biggest change. And so, especially when we're in the philanthropy world and, and dealing with trying to create change, yeah. what really activated you to say, I'm going to be a leadership coach, I'm going to mentor people, I'm going to help people reach their fullest potential? Yeah, it, it really was a result of my journey. And I truly believe that the things that we go through in life, the, especially the challenges and the, I call it the, the game-changing moments. Game like, ch- I like that. Game-changing moments. Yeah, I love that. game-changing, defining moments. Yeah. That's what really gives us, when you look back over your life, um, that's what gives you your blueprint. That's what gives you your framework um, to where you can add the most value and make the most impact. And I work with like a lot of clients who they're, they're confused about their personal brand and like how they're supposed to take, you know, their different areas of expertise and their different experiences and bring it all together and be able to explain it in a way that makes sense and allows them to monetize it and add value. And the question I always ask them is if you had a, a movie director that came to you or a, a journalist and said, yeah. Hey, I want to write a major story on you. Give me the three to five major moments yeah. that led you to where you are now. What yeah. would those be? And every single time when they tell me those three to five moments, it has a recurring theme that relates to not only, um, you know, just the framework of how they can b- provide value, but also a certain target audience that they can best reach as well. So that's, you know, when I look back on my life, that gives me that blueprint of, you know, how I can provide value in the audience that can best provide value to. And you know what I struggle with as a leader since I'm <laughs> now, I have free coaching right now, um, <laughs> is just kind of the imposter syndrome. And I mm-hmm. think people deal with this all the time where they don't think they're enough. They don't think they're enough to make a change. They don't think they're enough to yeah. lead. And how do you help people work through that? So I really help people get clear on their vision, their values, and their mission. And I think when you have imposter syndrome, a lot of it is because you're not secure in one of those areas. Right. When you get clear on your values, like what you stand for, what you believe in. Right. Not just what you believe in. What are your convictions? Right. If somebody's put a gun to your head and say, hey, yeah, what are you willing to die for? Right. What do you what are you willing to stand on regardless of the outcome? Right. Right. Like what are those things that you know that you know that you know? Right. If you're not clear on those things, when you get in front of people, you're not going to be certain. You're right. not going to be confident in yourself right. and able to articulate anything unless, of course, you know, there's there's money or there's like certain something that is certain uh, that you can see. Yeah. But when you have to go by faith <laughs> and, you know, when you, there's the, the outcome is uncertain, that's when things like your your convictions and your values and your vision and your mission become so important. Um you know, because that's what really is, is going to be there when things are not going right. You know, when things are falling apart, when <laughs> you're hearing a million notes, yeah. you got to lean back on those things, yeah. on that strong foundation. And social entrepreneurship, right? There's not always a definite equation for change, right? Yeah. We want to see this change in a community. Mm-hmm. But if we do this, what will this happen? You can't predict everything. Right. So how do you lead people through the fact that, you know, just starting to work on yourself, mm-hmm regardless of how fast you're right. Like, cause yeah. you know, I want the formula. I want to get there in two months Benny, <laughs> right now. Like we have a two month play. Like how do you, how do you teach people to be patient with themselves? Yeah. I, I always give them this analogy. Um, you know, and it's something that we all experience every single day. We all have a phone with an app on it. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I'm like, Hey, think about Instagram. Think about Facebook. Think about TikTok. Think about yeah. all these platforms. They all started with version one. Version one does not look like version 1.2 and version 1.2 doesn't look like 1.5. 
So this is the first version and you have to, you know, when I give them that analogy, yeah. it kind of, I, I always see that sigh of relief. Like, okay, so you mean I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have my brand name exactly right. I don't have to have my target audience exactly right. I can make iterations and I can improve it over time. Yeah. And so that's one of the ways that I try to get them in the mindset and the perspective of understanding that, hey, this is going to take time and that's okay. Like you're going to eventually get to that nice finish uh, polished product that you want. You just have to keep making the iterations. I'd like to thank United Charitable for sponsoring today's Inspire Changemakers podcast. United Charitable is a national nonprofit that focuses on guiding you on your charitable journey. Whether you like to simply streamline your giving or you like to create your own charitable initiative, United Charitable has the knowledge and resources to support you. If you'd like to learn more, check out the link in our bio. And what impact do you really want to have? Man, um, the biggest impact that I want to have is on leadership. Like, that's one of the most important things I, I truly believe uh, in our lives, like, is leadership. If you mm-hmm. think about it, every aspect of our lives, our families, when we look at our families, whether our families are dysfunctional or not, whether it's happy or healthy or not, organizations whether they thrive or not, whether they fall apart when there's adversity or not. Right. A team, whether they succeed and win a Super Bowl or not, I could go on and on. It all has to do with leadership and culture and things like that. So that's the biggest thing. Um, The impact that I want to have is on leadership and helping people understand that they are leaders, whether you're a young kid that, like me, I was an annoying little brother. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the one who got in trouble for everything. So for a long time, you know, um, not only because of the position I was in in my family, but also – um, just how my identity, how I developed that as a result of what the messages I was receiving from society. Like I did not see myself as a leader at all. And my uh, perception of leadership did not look like a good, it was not a good thing. Like it was like, right. I got to be the ladies, man. I got to be this. Right. I got to uh, be funny. Yeah. Um, and so that was, those were the messages that I was sent. So just really shifting that, um, you know, especially for, for athletes and those who have a platform helping them understand that they can be so much more than just that title. And it goes beyond being an athlete. It's like whether you're CEO, whether you can go beyond being whatever that title is and whatever the world tells you that you should be because of that title. Um, That's the legacy that I want to leave. And I think leadership is so important because you can't, you can really, if you actually study it, you can Mm -hmm. do the ripple effect and you can do the Mm -hmm. math about what a good leader can build and then what it can create for other people's. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being the CEO of my company and all of our employees, and I I think about in five years, how many more people are we going to be able to bring into our environment that's going to be able to create and help people create their legacies? Oh man, it's it's so powerful. And I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I just shared this not too long ago on, on my social media, but we uh, recently celebrated my grandfather's 90th birthday. And we Congrats. did it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, powerful. And we did a, a group photo with all of my family members. And I just thought to myself, and I told him this, I'm like, Grandpa, like, if you hadn't made certain decisions in your life, like, we, a lot of us in this picture would not be here. And, like, I don't think a lot of times we realize that as leaders and as people in general, that the decisions we're making day in and day out is literally tied to somebody else's destiny and their legacy. And so, and it can be the smallest thing, like your, your decision to start that business, your decision to go to college, your, I mean, my grandfather was literally the first person in his entire generation to be educated. 
crazy. So through him, my mom was able to come to America and my dad followed. And, right. you know, I was born in just so many, rip, like you said, ripple yeah. effects. And it's, it's just powerful. And I think that's such a powerful example of the opportunity that we all have in our lives. And, yeah. and really as social entrepreneurs and, and seeing, you know, I feel that I am the luckiest person in the world because I get to support all the people that are hands on really doing the work. Yeah, right. Yeah. I just get to inspire people and talk about the light that inside them and what cause is really they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me your cause is really do you work, you work with a lot with kids, right? And like mentoring. And so tell me a little bit about your program. Yeah. So my, my foundation is called Game Changers Foundation. And uh, really the main goal is to help athletes become leaders in sports, business, and life. And we do a lot of work with young kids and, and youth uh, and everything. But what I've seen uh, and what I've experienced personally is that through the work that we do, because we, we uh, also partner the young kids with former athletes, And so a lot of the former athletes that we're partnering um, them with are the ones who are transitioning. And I mean, like myself, I went through my transition. It was extremely tough. And it's one of those things where you're questioning your identity, you're questioning your purpose, you're questioning your worth and your value. But when you have the opportunity to pour back into that next generation, you know, help that next young kid to, uh, to navigate the same challenges that you navigate it all of a sudden you have a sense of purpose you have a sense of uh, belonging and value and it just it's twofold so I look at it like we're impacting the next generation of young athletes helping them to leverage their platform or understand how to leverage their platform and become leaders but also on the back end we're helping former athletes as well who are looking for that sense of purpose who are looking to not just feel like you know they've wasted all those years in their career in vain because they didn't get to their 10th year professionally or they didn't make it professionally right like uh, providing that purpose so it's it's so powerful just thinking about that and I recently I did the interview with Hannibal uh, Navies and Charlie but Hannibal was one of those guys for me like he he poured into me so much and uh, is is one of the reasons why I do what I do now and when I think about guys like him and Jesse Tuggle and Ray Lewis and so many who gave me the blueprint it's like man if, if I know what they did for me so I know what I can do for that next athlete you know, especially the one that's in the, uh, I mean, small town, population 1,000, one yep. street light town who, yeah. you know, everything around him is, is environment is telling him, like, there's no reason for you to keep striving and moving forward. And it's not just sports-wise, but when he goes home, it's tough. You know, life is just challenging. Th- those are the kids that, you know, I really, really am, am trying to reach most. We, I was lucky enough to go to um – as I said before, I'm a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. I was lucky enough to yeah. go to Rodney McLeod's football camp. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I ever sat in the bleachers mm. and listened to, like, the high school students talk about Rodney. He had a bunch of professional players. Malcolm Jenkins was there. It was awesome. Yeah. But I sat in the back and listened to what the kids said. Mm. He's not that big. He's mm. not that tall. <laughs> I could be faster, right? These, uh-huh. like, 15 to 17-year-old boys. But all of a sudden, they started changing their talk about what was possible for the rest of their life just by meeting mm-hmm. somebody that thought enough about them to come back and continually put on programs. Yeah. And I, you think about that ripple effect. What really would you like your ripple effect to be? Yeah, that that's it, man. That exposure, that belief that when they see me, and, and that was my story in a nutshell. Like, I, I was five, ten and a half, you know. With braces going to Georgia <laughs> and uh, everybody 
every newspaper article, every expert, every recruiting person was like, this dude is not about to play linebacker in the SEC. Like, it's just not happening. It's not yeah. happening. And same thing in the NFL. So I became, you know, when I did make it, I realized that I wasn't the only one that made it. Like, every kid that was doubted, mm-hmm. every kid that was devalued, every kid that was told that he wasn't big enough, they made it as well, too. And so I was a spokesperson for the underdogs. That's what I call it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's what I want my ripple effect to be, that when somebody sees me, whether it's a kid here in Georgia or a kid in my family's home country, Liberia, that's in a village, um, that they see me and they believe. And yeah. was philanthropy something that was always in your family? Like, yeah. What is your earliest memory, memory of philanthropy? Man, my, uh, <clears throat> my earliest memory of philanthropy was, uh, you know, when we were – in our three-bedroom apartment growing up, and, you know, I didn't know much about it, but there was a civil war that was happening in my family's home country over, it's a, a country of four million people, over uh, 300,000 people lost their lives, mm. and, you know, millions became displaced, became refugees and whatnot, and th- a lot of those refugees were my cousins and my uncles and my aunts and um, so forth, and so my earliest experience with philanthropy was seeing what my parents were doing and they didn't have a foundation. (laughs) Right. They just cared. And they just like knew that they had an opportunity. They had a platform, they had their jobs. And so they took their resources and they, you know, most of the time split it in half and they sent it, they sent what they could or they opened up their homes. And, you know, my mom will be up. She was a nurse, um, you know, before she get on the road to, uh, go to her job. She's cooking a big pot of food. And like, you know, that was my earliest experiences. Our home was always open. It got annoying sometimes, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) But our home was always open and everything. And that just became like what I knew. And um, yeah. And I think it's so funny how as kids, we don't realize that you're right. Like it got annoying. Like for me, we're Italian (laughs) and my mom would cook sauce and like we'd bring sauce to people. And I was like, nobody Uh wants your sauce mom. But like, (laughs) I didn't understand, you know, like what she was teaching me in that. Right. Um, And, you know, fighting to make the world a better place is not an easy fight, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you are going to be rejected. Sometimes you're not going to get the the donations that you want. Um, So tell me, how do you keep telling yourself Like, what do you keep saying to yourself to keep yourself fighting? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is leaning back on, like I said before, on my mission, my, my personal values, what I stand for, uh, my, my vision of what I believe can is going to happen. I'm not going to say what can. I, yeah. I believe it is going to happen. Um, those are the things that I lean on. And, um, you know, I just think about those moments in my life that were just so defining and so, like, convicting that it's like, it don't matter what happens. Right. Like, yeah, it, it just keeps me going forward. And I, I believe we all have to have that. Like, I call it having your fuel. And, you know, my fuel, like, I, I talk about it a lot whenever I go out and speak. But yeah, is when I went back to um, my mother's village or I went back to Liberia. I took the whole family. Oh, my God. Yeah, after my first year in the NFL. And um, it was one of the, you know, changed my entire life, changed my perspective. And everything. So we got there. How? How did it change your perspective? Um, just making me realize how blessed I was, number one. And um, making me realize what could have been. And, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just uh, when I got to the village, we were having a celebration and everything was going great. But about 30 yards away from our celebration and seeing all my family I never met before and all these yeah. things, there was a group of kids who were playing soccer. And, I mean, you know, you couldn't tell these kids they weren't in the World Cup. Like they right. were, they were intense. Yeah. They were going hard. Like yeah. Some of them ran, running barefoot. Some of them, 
you know, like the, the goalie was wearing blue latex gloves to cover the goal, and he had this intense look in his eyes. And, like, you know, when we – me and my sister were watching him as we walked over, and they all stopped and they just ran up to me and uh, to, to me and her. And just the look in their eyes of just inspiration and hope, like I'll never forget that. That that wakes me up every single morning. And just seeing them and knowing that, like, that could have been me. Like, I could have been that kid that was in a remote village that wow. was never discovered. It just so happened that my mom came to America and got a scholarship. And so my my life's goal, like, I, I'm hoping that, you know, the Game Changers Foundation doesn't just stop here, that it eventually is we're able to establish something in Liberia, a state-of-the-art facility where they can oh, wow. go and train. Like, I had the opportunity to. I had a trainer that let me train for free. I want to be able to provide that for them. Like, let them train for free. Give them an opportunity to be able to get exposure and leverage their talent and maybe get, get a college scholarship and, right. and maybe be able to change things for their family and, and pay it forward as well. And how important is for you to have the right people around you? Oh, it's everything. It's, it's everything. I mean, I definitely can think of, <laughs> we can all think of, right, right? Those people around us growing up who said the most encouraging things and the people around us who said the most damaging things <laughs> right. that still stick with us today. Yeah. And um, when I think of people, like you talked about imposter syndrome and you talked yeah. about all these, a lot of it stems from those people who we had around us that planted those negative seeds of doubt and, you know, low self-esteem or, or whatever yeah. the case may be. And so it, it is so crucial that you surround yourself with the right people. And it's contagious. Right. Either side is contagious. If yeah. you, you get in a room full of people with ideas and inspiration who are high energy, you're going to feel it. It's, it's right. undeniable. And the same thing is true for the opposite. Like you get around people who are negative and eventually you're going you're gonna to add in. <laughs> and so why do you think, because I have experienced pretty two moments in my life yeah. in a, the professional athlete realm mm -hmm. that I have never felt anything like, like so inspired in my life. And I happened very lucky that I was in the arena when Alan Iverson what, did his crossover to Jordan. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I have never in my life felt that feeling of such victory and triumph and hope and mm. I've love like it was straight love right because we yeah. were just so happy so why do you think professional athletes kind of can bring that man that is a great question that is a great question I, I think when you're watching an athlete perform like whether it's consciously or subconsciously it's like you're almost living through them like mm. you're you're you know you're role-playing I mean in our minds we all are like athletes in some capacity. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. I've played for the Eagles a lot. No. Oh yeah. Like visually, mentally. Yeah. And it's just like the, the platform, it's the atmosphere that's created. It's the fact that like, you know, you have this, this setup where everybody is connected and the collective energy is what creates that inspiration in that moment of yeah. triumph. And just seeing somebody, you know, the struggles, the triumphs and the struggles, it's not just about the wins. It's about the fact that they lost two weeks ago. Exactly. But now they got the, another opportunity and they do something a little bit different. And, um, and then it's the fact that you are seeing what I believe like harmony in the world can look like mm. when you have Explain people. That to me. Yeah. When you have people of different walks of life who are all striving to achieve one goal. Yep. Like I think that taps into something in our soul, in our, like within us that inspires us to, when we see that in real life, and it happens in multiple ways. When you see a company do something amazing or create some innovation yeah. that brings people together and they win, or you see a a, a comp I mean a country come together after a major loss or, or something bad happens, you see people come together. It just taps into a part of you, and I think that's what sports does for people as well in a different way.
And I really do think professional athletes have such an amazing ability to use their influence and their brand to highlight causes. How did you pick your cause? Mm. Yeah, what I said before, it was a result of my own personal personal experience and um, something that I genuinely genuinely believe in. And, um, you know, just thinking about the fact that mentorship was a huge part of uh, me getting to where I'm at, exposure was a major part. And then when it came time to me tr- uh, to transition, a big part of it was that professional development and the leadership development. Yeah. Um, so all those three components is, is how I've been able to craft my framework for my foundation. But you had to be coachable. Oh, and yeah. I, and I think that that's so underrated right now, as, mm-hmm. especially as I'm hiring employees and I'm hiring the younger generation. Yeah. Being coachable, it's, it's a hard skill to develop. Oh, yeah. Because um, you have to really be able to sit down across from somebody and be vulnerable with what you're struggling with. How mm-hmm. do you how do you allow that? Yeah, I mean that was one of the greatest things that being an athlete taught me because you you have to be coachable if you want to progress. You have to know how to work along with that coach, how to communicate with them, how to understand their their mindset and their perspective, and you know their mannerisms because they may tell you like one coach may tell you how to do something, another coach may right. how to tell you how to do the same thing, but he wants it done in a smaller, specific way. And so if you don't understand him and, and how he's feeling on that day, like yeah. you're not going to get on the field. Right. <laughs> and then right. on top of that, no matter what you do, you're hearing feedback. So whether I had a great day, whether I had a horrible day, regardless, I'm getting that same level of feedback every single week. And so I'm being challenged every single week to improve. And then I have the film to also reinforce that as well. And I, I couldn't take that. I'm just <laughs> yeah. letting you know. Like. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I'm like, imagine if you were at work and you had a camera that was following you around every single day. And then you had to watch that at the end of the day, watch your film on yourself yeah. and your performance and how you interacted and how you communicated, Yeah, how much better you would be. And so when you start to get in that, uh, yeah. you know, that groove of getting that constant feedback, you start to crave it. Like if you really want to be great, you know that this is what it takes. And you you almost, it's like the opposite. Like when you don't hear feedback, you almost worry because you're like, dang, does do they really care about me? And do you know what was hard for me too as a leader is that I would see potential in people and I would want them to achieve yeah. what I thought they should achieve, mm, yeah. right? Because I'm like, oh, you're so good at this. Let's let's really like develop this. And it was not always what people wanted for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So I had to spend a lot of time really learning how to mm-hmm. let people lead their growth journey at times and yeah. then push when I needed to, mm-hmm. but not all the t- So tell me about your books. Yeah, uh, man. So the, the books, that came into play when, um, like I said, I was a free agent. Yeah. Um, I was cut. I was back home. I was just trying to figure it out. And that's when I really had that perspective shift, understanding that, man, I could actually leverage this time. I can actually um, use this to pour into somebody else. And that was the, the kind of impetus or the spark that encouraged me and inspired me to really start writing. It started out as journaling, but through that process, I realized, man, like, like so many people are going to be in the same place. I thought about my father. My, my dad was an entrepreneur. My first example of entrepreneurship, he lost his business um, when I was in uh, around 12 years old and I saw how his mindset shifted because of the fact that he didn't have that that title of being that CEO or being a breadwinner, yeah. how it shifted his identity yeah. and, and how he saw himself. Right. And how that happens to so many people, whether they go through a divorce, they lose a business, they lose their yeah. job, they forget who they are. And so the book Free Agent really talks about how we all go through that moment of uncertainty and transition 
and how you can actually use that to build yourself and really realize what matters most in life. Um, so that was the, the first one. And it was such a transformational experience and so fulfilling. Like I remember when I first released it, I got an uh, email from a soldier in Afghanistan. Like I just started getting all these random messages. Yeah. Just like the ripple effect, right? Yeah. Like he had just finished his security post and he was like, yeah, I, I read your book and you know, we, we stay connected. Like just crazy experiences like that. Um, that never would have happened if I hadn't taken that chance. So it, it was a powerful, powerful experience. That is my dream, by the way. I would love to write a book just about. You should. Yeah, it's just over, like the thought of it is overwhelming, and <laughs> we'll talk about that offline. But yeah, um, but just really because I get to be around so many people on how how they create their legacy and how they connect with people and how they create their community. Yeah. And I think it's amazing if we focus on the good things, mm-hmm. right? And you know, and I love finding everybody's light is different. Yeah. Right. Like some people really want to fight for dogs. Right. They right, want to like right. no more <laughs> stray dogs. Yeah. Um, and I just really enjoy that. So I am super impressed that you wrote a book because that is just such a daunting. Thank um, you. And then I just have a couple more questions before yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah. end it today. So um, but really, if you had to say that there, I know you mentioned some football players, but who's inspired you the most? Man, that's a great question. I've, I've, uh, I got so many thoughts running through my mind. I mean, of course, I think of I immediately, of course, like there's guys who inspired me when I was playing. Yeah. The Ray Lewis's, the Jesse Tuggles, Brian Dawkins, like we talked about before. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I really think about those trailblazers, the uh, Jackie Robinsons and wow. Muhammad Ali's and, and guys like that who, like, man, they were so much more than athletes. And they are just, when you think about them, you think about their level of conviction and the fact that they didn't have to do that. Like they had the notoriety, they had the fame, they were killing it, they were winning, but they stood for something that had nothing to do with that sport. Right. And they used what they had, man, to really, really stand for something that's so much bigger. And um, the the legacy that they left, man, it's like, you can talk about their wins and the losses and the big fights, but man, the mark that they left on humanity, like, wow. That's powerful. And so they, they're the ones who really, really inspired me. And how do you want to be remembered? And I, uh, and I said this before, I, I definitely want to be remembered as that guy who maximized all his gifts and his talents. He left nothing on the table. He, he got every single thing he could out of all the gifts and talents and the relationships that, that God gave. So that's how I want to be remembered is somebody who, who maximized uh, their calling. And so how I became CEO of United Charitable in 2019. And then six months later, we go into COVID. Mm. And so I'm intern, <laughs> right? Intern, um, interim CEO. And I'm, you know, the board is evaluating me, all these things, right? And we yeah. go into COVID and I'm like, okay, what <laughs> is the next step now? Um, when you get thrown with those curveballs like COVID or like really when you're talking about your journey, what do you do to yeah. keep people around, to, to keep your community? Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it really starts before that, you know. I, I One of the principles I live by and believe in is you got to win the game before the game. And that's like one of the aspects is how are you preparing before those big moments? You know, what is your mindset like before those big moments? What is your team and your relationships yeah. like? What are your routines like before yep. those big moments? Because it's not something you can just step into and now all of a sudden you shift and you, yeah. you get into alignment. Like, nah, it's, it's all about – your routines is all about your uh, uh, repetition and conditioning and different things like that. So yeah, that's what I would say. And do you know what I also had to learn? I had to learn how to let go of the outcome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
because I was so afraid to try things in COVID because I was like, oh, is this going to work? Is this going to work? And I had to let go because there was no way. I'm such an analytical person. So I'll (laughs) tell you, my undergrad is finance and accounting. I have my MBA in finance. So all I want is numbers and analytics around why things will succeed, right? right? Or my my risk percentages. Uh Um, But I really had to learn to kind of let go. Um, So how did you do that? How have you let go of the, I mean, you were... So I, when did they okay I'll say this for a professional yeah. athlete how old were you when you really started to being looked at for being a professional athlete like man, I was man, 19 20 like <laughs> like yeah I was a child and how did you learn to kind of like <laughs> let go of that like faith had a big part to play in that like when I shifted and this started in high school when I shifted my perspective from like trying to hit these numbers and trying to get the scholarship and trying to, yep. you know, impress the scouts or whoever was coming to look at me to playing for an audience of one. Yeah. And that really, really took a lot of that pressure off. And, um, you know, it allowed me to know that I'm not playing for these people. I'm not playing necessarily for the fans. I'm, I'm honoring God with my gifts and my talents. And, that, you know, as long as I'm doing that, like that kept me on the right uh, pace to know that whether I win, whether I lose, regardless this isn't about just the external. It's not the. It's not about the scoreboard. It's not about the statistics. Right. It's about am I honoring God with my gifts and my talents and being a good steward of what He's given me. That's awesome. All right. So for our listeners, where could they find out more information about your foundation? Um, so through the website, it's Game Changers Foundation GA org, and then of course, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me on Instagram, on LinkedIn. I, I will respond. So don't be surprised if I hit you back. <laughs> Um, so yeah, those are the easiest ways. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really, um, I'm going to love watching your journey and just really the definition of an inspired change maker, somebody that really fights hard through not only their career, but their philanthropy. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Find inspired change makers on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn and comment on all the awesome things you are doing to make this world a better place. Don't forget to subscribe.